Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 543 of the JV Club with my guest, Josh Hallmark. Oh, Josh Hallmark. Um, so Josh is the host of several podcasts that I listen to very religiously. He's wonderful. Um, he is someone that I have uh, just tried to kind of pull into my web. I don't know. Am I, why am I... <laughs> Why am I a terrible person now? Um, anyway, he's great. I was so happy to have him on the podcast and um, loved talking to him. I highly encourage you to check out his work. We'll put links in the show notes and enjoy this conversation. And you know what I'm going to say next, which is that I hope that I see many <laughs> to most of you uh, in San Francisco up at Sketchfest. Cannot wait. SFSketchfest.com for tickets. Um, so many lovelies I'm going to be seeing up there. Um, I see was Travis McElroy and John Hodgman and Jesse Thorne and ugh, I, the list goes on. So check out that and hope to see you and enjoy this wonderful episode with Josh in the meantime. All right, so the first thing I want to say is I just want to get this out of the way, whether or not it stays in the episode. This is one of those ones where I can't decide how much, um, like this, like this is a podcast, this particular podcast episode is aimed towards uh, burgeoning friendship. And um, it's a wonderful excuse to get on and talk to you. And so I feel like I run the risk of truly like making public stuff that really I just only meant for you and I to, to talk about <laughs> as friends, which is sort of like, you know, the cliche about a certain type of podcasting is like, oh, I forgot that this wasn't this truly wasn't just a zoom between two people like this did get recorded and it did go out to the world. I mean, I feel like that's kind of I, <laughs> like it's such a fine line in what we do between yeah. um, having a private life and being a public person, whatever that means. Uh-huh. 100 percent. And the thing that sort of um, jettisoned me towards my phone to text you to see if you would do this off season for those people who listen to the podcast on a regular basis, they know that I, um, I, I usually uh, am interviewing the ladies or the NBs this time of year. Um, but you also know if you listen to the podcast a lot that I constantly talk about maybe ending it at some point. So I feel like time is of the essence. But also more specifically, I was listening to Josh has uh, a wonderful. Um, studio of podcasts and I listen to them all and um it's studio both and um and and he was celebrating I'm not gonna let you talk at all through this entire hour I'm not gonna perfect let you talk. it makes it easy um, for me. <laughs> <laughs> you've been doing a five-year celebration of true crime bullshit which is I guess sort of the most it is the most um well known of of your shows um and you were really you be part of those special episodes involved um one episode where you just spoke to mike by yourself which i'm realizing now you do every week with true crime bullshit almost exclusively but for some reason it because it was just you talking about you it felt like oh my god he's just gonna he's just talking he's just talking by himself like 
this is amazing. Um, and you got more personal. And I was listening to it, and there was just a lot of stuff that uh, felt very overlappy with my own life and experiences. Um, and also just that sort of thrill of, oh, I didn't know how open this person that I like and admire was like willing to be because some folks will not talk about anything about themselves do you know what I mean they'll do a podcast and they're like one you'll never know my last name you'll never know my upbringing you know and so when you were speaking of some of that stuff I thought oh god this is just too I can't I've got to reach out because now I feel like you've given me you know this kind of implied permission to do so I mean I um use candor as therapy <laughs> Same. uh so yeah like there's not much i i won't share to to my partner's detriment um <laughs> and i don't i just feel like there's i always felt like a lot of what i felt or thought or did was strange or bizarre or unique and i and that in of itself was isolating um and then as i got older and more comfortable with myself and started talking i realized like none of those things are unique or uh individual yep. to me and then that was very emancipating and so now I'm just like you can't get me to shut up because I'm just like make me feel normal by agreeing with these crazy things that I'm feeling and saying <laughs> I the and just this is why this is why you need to be on this podcast I that's a that's that's a, that's my song my song is like Although the adaptation of that, I guess, for me was that even when I was the most fucked up mentally, um, however you want to, you know, I'm using that term to describe myself um, with knowing the love that's behind it. I'm certainly not accusing anyone else of being mentally fucked up. What I'm saying is like the, the addendum to that is I think even when I was the most lost and the most disturbed, I guess I still wanted to hold on to it being special or unique in some way. As like a sort of, you know, vestigial tale of teenagerhood <laughs> into my early 20s. And that's been such a wonderful thing to let go of. Like, oh, I don't have to have special thoughts. I don't have to. I don't have to be broken in a special way. I, no. In fact, in fact, the only thing that gets me through is like saying to my therapist. And this is the part where I love when you tell me how many other clients you have who say things like this, <laughs> you know. There's something very freeing great. in the mantra of I will never have an original thought. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's such a relief of pressure and possibly a thing that propels you forward to do and make stuff that, you know, perhaps you would not have done if you just put yourself in that box of like whatever I'm doing has to be so unusual that it's going to break everyone's brains because no one has ever. I mean, like, that's not a thing. That doesn't yeah. exist. And what a relief to know it doesn't exist and well, to the great still make stuff. Irony is as soon as you stop trying to, like, produce something unique and original, you do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, you get out of your own way. Mm -hmm. How has it felt to uh, be at five years and how do you feel about the, this, the episodes that you put out this week that, that kind of chronicled that? Because it was, you know, you really did the thing that I think a lot of us say we're going to do at anniversary periods where you looked backward and you were retrospective and it was great. Um, how does it feel? Uh, I'm going to be terribly honest. Please. I didn't even realize it was the five year until... <laughs> I don't know, like two weeks ago. <laughs> Great. Um, and then I I kind of got burnt out. So I pressed pause on all my production uh, before Thanksgiving. And this is terribly honest and it's not going to win me Great. any friend, friends or fans. But 
I was like, fuck, like December is when we make the most money off of dynamic ads uh-huh. and I'm not putting anything out. <laughs> and <laughs> and I was like I was like, I have to like in January is when I book all my like research travel. <laughs> I was like, I really need to figure out how to make the most of December. Good for you. Let's celebrate the five year anniversary. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. Because as cynical as that sounds, it was a very enjoyable period of time, and somehow you turn it into something that felt meaningful. So well, that's I think just that's just that's just a life hack right there. I think that's how it, I did. Is I, again, it goes back to that. Like, if I had thought about this six months ago and was like, I need to do something really, really special for the five year anniversary, I would have overthought it. I would have come up with all these grandiose plans that I could not have executed. Um, I would have gotten way too big for my britches and been like, we're going to do a live show and we're going to fly people out here and we're going to mm. you know, video everything. And then it just would have fallen apart. Um, so I think this like flying by the seat of my pants, like, oh, let me come up with five hours of content in five days uh, made me forced me to really go back to basics and just like authentically share my story without any bells and whistles and at the end of the day, I really liked it. It seemed like people did. It seems like you enjoyed it. So that I guess it worked yeah. out. <laughs> no, it was great. And so uh, th- for those of you who are listening who are like, Janet, you always do this. Please give us some context. Please, God, any context at all, Janet, please. <laughs> uh, true Crime Bullshit is a podcast that many uh, true crime uh, lovers, it always feels weird to say, but um, I think people who are I don't know. I You know what? Just go listen. You know what? You can go. If you want to, you can go listen. Or was that Patreon? No, it went out into the regular feed because yeah. you just said about dynamic ads. So um, so check out the week of December. What was it? Fifth? December yeah. 5th. Um, there are episodes that kind of actually like dip you into the center of the Israel Keys investigation um, and contemplation, if I may. Uh Israel Keys uh, was a serial killer. Um, I'm not a person who's particularly drawn to like long form stories about serial killers. Um, that's I don't know that I would have stayed with the show if that's all it felt like. But what people always say, and this is why I'm just trying to send you guys to, to episodes to listen to, is um, that everyone always talks about how ethical it is. And everyone always talks about how thoughtful um, Josh's work is. And all of that is true. And um, also, he plays really great music. And I got like, you know, I don't I listen to Spotify. I listen to a lot of podcasts and audiobooks. But when I do listen to Spotify music, apparently, I also get the Spotify rap thing. And I got I got a video, one of the little videos that was included for me. I was going to try to pull it up really quickly, but I guess that's probably um, asking too much. Was Ben Rainier? Oh yeah. Um, and he's so, and like I loved all of I've loved the stuff that you've played of his, and so I you know did a deep dive and uh, I followed him and um, and I'm like one of the you know like top people that listened to his music this last year. And I got a little video and I was like, oh, he's so precious and wonderful. I love, so here's the thing, like I, music is super important to my process or just to me in general. And Mm -hmm. so I'm, I always like make lists of like my favorite musicians and the songs that are going to work and I get really excited. Uh, And then sometimes like it doesn't work out. Like I'll be 
negotiating a license with someone for like months and months and months and then drop date is coming and we, we are not there yet or then they come back and they're like five thousand uh, dollars uh yeah and, and so i have this like license free app where i think i pay two hundred dollars a year and it's just like artists you've never heard of and most of it's like meh um but that's where i found ben rainier um, he's real good he's incredible yeah yeah yeah, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I've 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 become uh, very lazy about discovering music now because I invariably end up like every other episode of yours. I find someone and um, it, it, I will I'll just like send you a snapshot of my Spotify at some point and you'll be like, oh, well, those are all <laughs> those are all people that that I played on the I show. Those are just all people that played I played on the show. So you also spent uh, a goodly amount of time in San Francisco. Um, where were you born and raised? Like, where were you a teenager? Do, do, do I know this from Probably exposing not. yourself on the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Better on the podcast than in real life. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I was born in... Los Gatos, California, which is... I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, And then when I was like 11, we moved to this town called Hollister, which is near Mm -hmm. Um, Mm Monterey-ish. And that's where I went to high school. Um, I went to middle school at a private school in Saratoga, which was just uh, a living nightmare. Um, But high school was great. (laughs) Wait, Saratoga... Uh, California. Oh, Saratoga. No. There's, there's a handful of Saratogas. We can and they're all full of like very wealthy white people. <laughs> I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that's true. Yeah, Hollister. I mean, the Monterey area is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, you now are, you live in a place that is, I would say, equally beautiful, maybe more beautiful. I don't know if I would say it's more beautiful. They're both equally beautiful in different ways to me. Yeah. Do you feel one is more beautiful than the other? Well, I, I like I had a gut response to that, and then I had to really check myself because uh-huh. I was about to be like, Berkshires are way prettier, and then I was like, I don't know if anything is way prettier than like coastal Central California. Uh-huh. <laughs> so let's Those go with doggy equally. old redwoods, that <laughs> gross old beautiful turquoise ocean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But also, you made the choice to live where you're living now, and someone else made the choice for you to live in that area. And exactly. that's, there are can be things attached to those choices that inform whether or not you think someplace is visually prettier. Um, what was your okay? So you went to a private school that was Hill. What was the school in the school in Hollister? Was a public school? Yeah. Okay. Was it big? Is Hollister big? Can't be. How no, big Hollister. Is it? At the time, I think it was like 30,000. I think now it's like 40,000. Um, the school was big because it was the only high school in the county at the time. I think okay. my freshman class was 800. Um, okay. And then eventually they opened like a second county high school. And then there was the largest high school drug bust in the history of the states. And oh, so we hello. weeded out a lot of our class by senior year. <laughs> pun intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, pun intended. And so were you, because of when you moved, did you know anyone in high school or did you, were you starting pretty fresh or like how many people would you even know there? I didn't really know anyone. So my mom had set up essentially like a play date for me uh, prior to starting school. My sister's classmate, my mom had like kind of known his mom and they had another kid who was my age and she, she just kept saying, yeah, like. Ryan's a little strange. He doesn't have a lot of friends. 
And so my mom was like, this will be great. And I was like, I don't know that I want to be friends with the person who doesn't have any friends. <laughs> like, I don't know that that is giving me any social capital. Um, uh, but he ended up being Mormon. And so I, through high school, like ran with all the Mormon kids, oh, which is Josh. funny for like a you know, secular my, my mom, gay. My mom, was, my mom was Mormon and I had to go to church with her every Sunday. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. Let's bring another overlap to the table. I have I have very fond memories of a lot of the people my age um, having little interaction with people who weren't my age at the time, and their parents were all very nice and lovely. I'm sure they all thought I was a terrible influence because I, for much of that time, was like going in combat boots and black lipstick because that's because I at least I was going. I yeah. think was the mindset there. Um, but yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole thing. So you ran with the Morms. Mm -hmm. Um, how, <laughs> this is, let me put it this way in the, in the, in, in the way that I assume I can get away with because I do feel we're already friends. How gay were you? Unbeknownst to me, quite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Good answer. I was the only one not really clocking it. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, the Mormons weren't clocking it because I just don't think they like really thought about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I was like, or they thought club. about it, but they were there was stuff happening with them too. Yeah, exactly. Which is actually what ended up happening. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I was like drama club president. I was I was very gay. I was doing like mm -hmm. dance videos at home and great. Yeah, just great. Very gay. <laughs> <laughs> Your. Uh, brief characterization of your mom oh, is, no. sounds like uh, she was a complicated lady. Yes. <laughs> and you have a sister, and was it just your mom, your sister, and you? Uh, no, so uh, my parents divorced when I was six, uh, mm -hmm. and then my mom... This is where I always am like, what are the odds that someone's going to hear this and I'm going to get... Well, I've blocked her, so I won't get a phone call. So let's just go for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my mom didn't have a lot of prospects, uh, but she was young and pretty. So after the divorce, she went and uh, found the first wealthy man she could find, uh, got knocked up with my sister, mm. uh, and then became a housewife uh, in just like a very dysfunctional abusive across all lanes marriage mm -hmm. uh and so like that was normal to me growing up in fact it wasn't until i was in my 30s where i was like oh so it's not normal for your parents to like get wasted and scream at each other every single night <laughs> uh, yeah yeah for normal for you does it then translate to having that sort of shell shock trauma where like like i love my dad but he did not take his separation with my mom well and he that he you know um incepted it and uh executed it but was not a gr like was not great at being a dad to a young child and then was very good at being a, a dad to like a middle school and high school and adult child um but he he would yell a lot and um to this day when someone starts yelling I guess unless it's me, which is the bad part, right? But when someone starts yelling, like everything in me tenses up and I just like ready for something without knowing that I'm doing it. Is that your experience also? Ish. Mine is like tension 
Because then I, like, if I sense tension, then I, like, my body prepares for the screaming. Yeah. But I'm also someone who watches The Real Housewives to relax, which is just women <laughs> screaming at each other. So. <laughs> yeah, because you're choosing it. It's different exactly, when it's yeah. under your control. It's totally different. And, if it's and like, you know it's coming, so you don't have yeah. to anticipate it. <laughs> you signed up for it. You signed mm-hmm. up for it. Um, how much interaction were you having with your family when you were in high school or were you looking for ways to actively avoid being around them? Oh, I was in like complete avoidance. Like, how can I get out of here as quickly as possible? And they had their hands full with wine and screaming. So I think they were Mm -hmm. not like totally cogent. My mom would occasionally pop in once I had my driver's license to be like, Ron took my keys, take me to the liquor store. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, super healthy relationship. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Did she, was she motherly at all or did, was she sort of like not um, doing that? So she had me very young. Uh, and so I think we had more of a like sibling relationship. Mm-hmm. She also came from a deeply messed up family. Uh, just like very, very like one quick antidote just to paint a picture is like the family dog pooped in the house. So my grandfather hosted a public hanging of the family dog. So, like, that is kind of the <laughs> environment she was raised in, so... I mean, I don't... Yeah. Yeah, so I, it just... Um, I think she was a very traumatized person who didn't know how to deal with her trauma um, and yeah. made some very poor choices, and I think that manifested in parenting, or I know that manifested in parenting pretty frequently. Um, yeah. But the great thing was, like, I was always I always had to be the adult in the house and like that you know looking back on it you're like well that sucks but at the time it felt like oh like I got everything under control (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) everything's great no worries friends we're good yeah I'm and then in terms of like dating and friendships I mean if you were not super keyed into um your own sexuality at that time but you were also conveniently hanging with Mormons who potentially weren't flaunting theirs either what were your did you have crushes did you have like close female friendships like what what did what were your intimate relationships like uh be that they as they were yes yeah, so, don't try um, to put don't try to put be that be that as it may into past tense and plural your brain will <laughs> freeze up and you will have a small seizure that's what just happened to me go ahead so i had this like very strange love triangle um all throughout high school uh so <laughs> The Mormon who, like, introduced me to the other Mormons, Ryan, uh, had a girlfriend named Molly. And in freshman year, Molly left Ryan for me. Oh. Um, and then as my feelings for Molly began to manifest as, like, oh, <laughs> she dresses well and I enjoy gossiping yeah. with her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I started to realize that the, the true feelings I had were for Ryan. Yes, yes. Um, and then that came to a head when, right before he left to go on his mission, he came out of the closet. And Ryan, you still went on your mission even he, though you came out? He did, he did, I know. <sighs> How was his mission? I know it's. I'm asking you to tell his story now, but... Yeah, I mean, presumably not great because when he came back, he <laughs> left the church. <laughs> great. You never know. Maybe you'll end up with someone else who's going through the same thing. And then you're just like two boys in the middle of a place you don't know, discovering mm-hmm. each other. And then that's what a lot of Mormon porn is on the Internet. Um, I can speak to it. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Yeah, at some point I realized, like, I it was only within the last year or so that I, I, I don't even know what made me think of it, but all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I bet there's so much Mormon porn. And then I was so embarrassed for only just having realized that. And then I just like Googled the words and was like, oh, oh yes, you could never reach the end of this. Regardless of how you feel about it, you could just never reach the end of this. It's an endless... Of all shapes and sizes, gender, like everything, everything well, like, you can imagine. Mormon porn is just the umbrella. Like there's, there's like yeah. subdivisions of Mormon. Porn. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh yeah, okay. Um, and that's I, I yeah. I'm not it, it, on the on the in ranking like safe um, consensual fantasy porn in the Mormon world. I I don't know like I I per, I myself feel that like gay boy Mormon porn is probably the hottest. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm oh, yeah. cer- I'm certainly less interested in like sister wife porn, you know, than I am like two young men being like but my garments. Um I get it. Mm-hmm. I get well, all it, of it. Usually the ones I see the most are like <laughs> uh elder mission missionary okay. so like the elder is training the missionary on oh how to be sure one. yeah <laughs> oh yeah get that old get that authoritative figure in there too while you're at it don't be shy about that absolutely totally. we're absolutely. all working through our daddy issues <laughs> absolutely um okay all right well that's a great that's a very juicy love triangle mm-hmm. um and in the end molly i guess was well, I mean, how like was Molly? Did Molly ever find out? Was Molly ever like, yeah, oh, Molly, you know what, guys, this is actually cool because it makes sense. Yeah, she found out, and now she has also left the church for different reasons, obviously. Uh, so yeah, yeah. it's like it all it all turned out great in the end. Did you go to church ever with with Ryan or anyone? Did oh, you like God. experience sacrament meeting and stuff? Oh, I was invited. So they were trying to convert me for a long time. I think mostly just because they. <laughs> saw what was going on in my house and felt like if anyone needed to be oh, saved. Oh, sure. <gasps> oh, it's a perfect package. It's oh, a perfect yeah. package. You're, you're a mission. Yeah. So I used to go to steak dances all the time. Um, yeah. I went to, what is it, not seminary a few times. Uh-huh. Um, Early morning before high school, is just that was never going to happen for me, no matter how much my mom begged. But it all came to a head when I got invited to a carnival at the Mormon church. Okay. Uh, so Ryan's dad was the bishop, and so they were like, oh, you should come. We're having a carnival. I was like, great. And so we get down there, and as we walk in, they hand me, like, four pieces of paper that say talent on them. Okay. And you walk in, and there's just, like, games everywhere, and you use mm-hmm. these talents to play the games. So there's fun games where you win prizes, and then there's Mormon trivia games where you win more talents. So... The deck was really stacked against me because I know nothing about Mormon trivia. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> so, I, like, even if I wanted to win chances, I couldn't have. Uh-huh. So I'm playing, like, the fun games. I'm winning prizes. And I notice that throughout the night, people's names are getting called on a loudspeaker. Uh-huh. And after their name was called, you'd never see them again. And okay. <laughs> so, like, it's just kind of, like, looming in the background, but I'm not really thinking, like, Oh, they're going to call my name. Uh, and then they do. And so they, I get directed to Ryan's dad's office. And he's standing there with like a, a woman. And he's like, hey, Josh. How's it going? He's like, great. He's like, you have fun at the carnival? I'm like, yeah, I did. He's like, cool, cool. Uh, I see you won some prizes. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, how many talents do you have? I was like, oh, none. He's like, oh, oh. Um, well, we believe that in life, when you waste your talents, you waste your life. And the people who waste their lives go to... Josh, are you familiar with the Telestial Kingdom? Oh, wow. No, I'm not. And he's like, okay, well, when you go there, you lose all your earthly possessions and your voice. So we're going to have to take those prizes back. And so this woman comes in like literally. So like, twisted. I know, prying prizes out of my hands. Oh, my God. And he's like, are they called sisters, elder? I forget. Sister. Yeah, sister. Yeah, sister and brother and sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sister Beth here is going to escort you down to the Telestial Kingdom. So this woman. <gasps> no. <me>. Yes. <gasps> takes me down a corridor and she's like the telestial kingdom is a very dark place and you lose your voice so you can't talk there and then she like opens a door and it's literally like a utility closet there's two other people in there the lights are off and she's like here's a crossword puzzle if you get bored (laughs) someone will come to um help you ascend later on tonight and so then they just like lock us in this utility closet and one of the boys mutinied out a window, but like, I'm such a rule follower. So I just like sat there and it was one of those rooms where they have like the accordion walls. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, yes. And I could see, and I'm sure this was intentional, through yeah. the cracks in the wall to the celestial kingdom. Oh, of course it was intentional. This is genius. Uh, I've, genius I've come all the sadistic. way around to thinking... <laughs> I I would kill to go to this carnival. I'm so mad that we never had. This is like the this is the this is the LDS Hell House. It's perfect. It's so gentle. Do you know what I mean? In comparison <laughs> yes. to like, and then you walk through a room where someone's getting abortion. Like Mormons aren't going to do it like that. They don't play you like that. They put you into a room where there's an accordion wall, and then you can peek through and see the great time everyone's having. Continue. <laughs> and sure, yeah, like people, there was music. The lights were on. <laughs> there there was cake. <laughs> uh, and so finally, I think. It felt like four hours. It was probably 20 minutes. (laughs) Right. Sister Kathy or whatever her name was came in and was like, we'd like to help you ascend to the celestial kingdom. Uh, And so then they took us into this room. And like after that, it's a blur, I think, just because the trauma of being locked in a closet at a carnival. Uh, Sure. uh, It was the lasting memory. But I did go home and told my mom what happened. And she like hammered walked it because we lived on the same street as ryan oh. and his family like walked down there like glass of wine in hand and just like screamed Amazing. at them yeah <laughs> wait i'm sorry to get too uh, nitpicky about this but where was the terrestrial kingdom in all this unclear i don't know interesting was uh, maybe there was another accordion wall on the other side of the room the tele- the celestial room maybe i only saw could... two kingdoms <laughs> that night yeah. so, yeah, i don't know <laughs> Wait, did you ascend? Yeah, I got to hang out okay. in the Celestial Kingdom for yeah. I don't know how long. I guess until they I... were done torturing everyone else who was there. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if there's a handbook for like, maybe, it, listen, if you're listening to this and you are Mormon or were Mormon, um, and you can tell me if this is a common practice, I was, I did not ever get to go to a carnival. And the idea of saying like, you know, life, <laughs> life here on earth is kind of like a carnival, you guys. <laughs> You're playing games like they someone was so psyched when they came up with this idea. They were like, you guys, this is it. We figured out the metaphor to a T. It's a carnival. We draw people in. 
we got those accordion doors. We've <laughs> it's not just for overflow anymore. I mean, it's amazing. Sometimes I still have dreams about being in Mormon church and there are a lot of accordion walls, a lot of accordion walls and a very specific smell and a specific smell to the bathrooms. Not unpleasant, like just a weird, like almost talcum powder meets paper towel kind of smell. I know the and, smell. Right? It's so bizarre. And and I will I'll have dreams. I'll have dreams that I'm like walking through like a, like a maze kind of circular like exploring an empty Mormon church. It's very interesting. I feel like Mormons have cornered the market on accordion walls. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They probably make them. It's like, I remember when I found out that, you know, wasn't it like Warren Jeffs? Like it was like the, it was the, um, the non-Mormon Mormons, the, the the fundamentalists who were manufacturing like the rings that malfunctioned that caused the Challenger to explode. No way. I'm not kidding. That feels intentional also. <laughs> I know. The combination of Ronald Reagan being like, we got to get it up there no matter what. And some fundamentalist Mormons being like, this looks ready. <laughs> it's like, I'm sure it's an oversimplification of what happened. But uh, that is that is my, that's how I've crafted the, the history. And there was absolute truth in that. There is There absolutely is like fa- a factory that fundamentalist Mormons were that you can point right to for some, what something that happened on the, on the Challenger. Oversimplification, but also apt metaphor. <laughs> but also very... Listen, you want to ha- throw a carnival? I'm going to fucking make this metaphor, okay? You throw your carnival, <laughs> and I've got mine. Uh, and it involves a bunch of people dying um, in the atmosphere. Um, and and music, was that important to you then? Were you um, yeah. like, in fact, feeling I've, understood and seen by music? Uh, yes, that was how I was like finding my way through the world. Lots of... Tori Amos, um, just like angry women. But yeah, that's funny because now that I think about it, I remember like Mormons, all they ever played was that 500 Miles song. Like like, (laughs) I just feel like it's on repeat. Maybe that was the only one that was like sanctioned. I feel Um, like Bare Naked Ladies could have made it into the rotation, but it's true that I don't know. Yeah, I think that would have been too young for me. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think so. I mean, I don't know. I feel like we're around the same age. So, But, but it's true that Bare Naked Ladies I didn't really know about until... I guess it was after college, so never mind. You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I would walk 500. Yeah, yeah, that makes complete sense. So you were listening to Angry Women. Um, were you writing? Were you writing in oh, a journal? Yeah. Were you writing poetry? I was writing poetry. I was writing Great. song lyrics. I was going to be the first Grammy Award winning dolphin trainer. Like these were the dreams I had at like 18. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you feel, yeah, I guess the dolphin thing seems somehow more tenable if you're living in the Monterey area. I mean, there's a lot of like, when people, when when young people say, I want to be an oceanographer, I want to be a marine biologist, you are kind of close to places where you can really do that. I love that you're applying some level of logic to this. Also, where you're like, equating dolphin trainer with oceanographer like i was like no i don't actually want to practice science i just would like to torture animals at sea world for my own pleasure <laughs> you thought that that was uh you knew you weren't thinking of it as having control over those animals you thought that you guys want to be best chums and that you know you're gonna have this special understanding with dolphins to try try and tell me that it wasn't that. That is a 90s movie that could have happened. Like, uh-huh. lesbian coming to terms with her sexuality by singing songs that she's written to the dolphins at SeaWorld. I, like, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Uh, and when did you move to San Francisco? Uh, as soon as I could. So uh, 18, I had a brief stint where stupidity led me to living with an older gay guy who it turned out was like defrauding the elderly through fake ISP businesses. <laughs> the Jesus FBI Christ. raided our apartment. Oh <laughs> my God, how exciting probably. Well, and then, and that was in San Jose. It was right before I moved to the city. And I just remember the article that came out that like referred to me as a dumb houseboy, I think is what they called me. <laughs> They were no. like, oh, uh, no. older, older, portly gay fraudster surrounds himself with pretty young, dumb things or something like that. And I was like, you oh, at least they said not... it was pretty. <laughs> oh, God. Well, that, no, that is good. That is good. I guess I'm, why am I pretending like there isn't um, weird bias built into most reporting? Uh, and I say that with love towards journalists whom I adore and I wish had more work. Amazing. Yes. Were you, had you been to San Francisco? Like, how did you know you wanted to be in San Francisco? Had you visited there and felt drawn? I never felt drawn to it. We used to, we would visit there. I mean, it was only an hour and a half from where I grew up. Um, yeah. I think for me, it was just like, oh, I'm gay. And the only other gay person in this town <laughs> is on his mission. So I should probably get out of yeah. here and go find the gays. Uh, Got it. And so, yeah, San Francisco was the closest. It, well, it was the gay Mecca, and it was close. And when did you move there? Like, what year? That would have been 99. Okay. I mean, yeah, we were both there at the same time. There, there's, there's no question. We were both there at the exact same time. We probably passed each other on the street. I mean, you were da- you were da- you, it, there was a period of time in which you, from time to time, would be possibly in a building that looked out <laughs> to something near the exact place my building looked out probably i mean that's just stunning to me it's so amazing you talked about it on your on uh on your podcast and then we'll get into the smash game i really appreciated your conversation i guess yeah it wasn't this most recent but there's an episode oh it was it would be um unsafe spaces right because wasn't that where you were talking to someone about oh yeah moving to san francisco and sort of feeling like here i am take care of me yeah. <laughs> um, and that that's not necessarily something you can depend on, even within a social group of people amongst whom you are more accepted. That's not necessarily that doesn't necessarily make it safe or it doesn't necessarily make it like we'll see you for your the person you are on the inside or, or what have you. Totally. I like I think in doing the show, I'm able to kind of reevaluate like the gay experience and my gay experience Mm because in trying to like you know I like to assume that the audience doesn't know anything so that way no one's ever left out and so we're having conversations just about gay culture in the time that these crimes were committed with other gay men and it's been really revealing to me Um, like A so many people were having similar experiences when I felt very isolated in the experiences I was having yeah. But also there's this like you're so stunted um by the oppression of a homophobic society. And then you go out into the world and you don't know how to behave. <laughs> like, yeah. And so yeah. like simultaneously you do feel a victim to you know a community that is more self-serving than you thought they were going to be, but also you yourself are self-serving because for the first time in your life like you get to be and no yeah. one has taught you how to behave in in relationships and like be your authentic self and so there's this weird like 
everyone's looking out for themselves while simultaneously looking for community and others. And it's a very strange, disappointing experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, there's things about that that I deeply relate to, even just as a sort of queer young lady who moved to a city that was like so sex positive that I just was like, oh, God, oh, like, what do I do with all of this? And do I do, should I do as much with this as I find myself doing? <laughs> um, but I also had, you know, I worked with, oh, see, I knew this was going to happen. We're just going to have to hang out in real life, even though you're not accepting any new applicants to your friendships. Um, uh, you, 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 made, you squeezed your way in. I squeezed in. Yeah. I squeezed in. By the time I heard you say that, I felt I, I had already slipped in under the door. But um, we trauma bonded, so it was we trauma fine. bonded. <laughs> we trauma bonded, and then we adjacently meow wolf bonded. But I, when I first moved there, you'll appreciate this. I think I worked for um, a, a, a very upscale miniature and dollhouse store on Ooh. Sutter, okay. and um, it was owned by a gay couple. Um, uh, one was about fifteen years older than the other, and then. Their other, the only other employee was a gay friend of theirs. And I certainly had and loved gay folks in my life. My cousin is trans. And uh, uh, there was just a lot of like, shockingly in Tucson, Arizona, there was just a lot of openness, even when I was a teenager, about queerness. Um, but one of the guys, the guy, the friend of theirs who worked there was HIV positive. And that was the first person I ever met who was living with HIV, who was alive and okay and as you can imagine from those being my peers I mean I just heard so much about the AIDS crisis in San Francisco and they lost and just that so it was very interesting to be there and within a month of moving to San Francisco just being totally immersed in the history of that era of gay culture in San Francisco and just being like oh god I'm sh I'm sh you've shattered me like yeah. I've moved to this place that I, I have such tenderness for, and I you quickly I think you do quickly understand that there's every, every social group is complicated, um, but just this feeling of fierce protectiveness so quickly from hearing those stories and knowing you know how many people uh, it's just it's just crazy. Oh, and that's the it's other crazy. thing. It's like you said, like that was the epicenter for like gay trauma. So again, we're there and we're like green and ready to fuck everybody. And uh, like <laughs> everyone there is like either selfish or like dealing with terrible grief and trauma yeah. from, from just government homophobia, repression. Totally. Apathy. Totally. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Last week, The Greatest Generation, the comedy podcast about old Star Trek TV shows like Star Trek The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager, just had its 500th episode. And Greatest Trek, the podcast about the new Star Trek shows like Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, and Discovery, just had its 250th episode. So whether you have a task that's roughly 750 hours long, or you want to learn about some of the production techniques that go into making one of the greatest franchises in television history, you should give us a try either way. The Greatest Generation and Greatest Trek, the best-reviewed, most-listened-to Star Trek podcasts in the world. They're on Maximum Fun. 
Well, wonderfuls, you know where I'm going with this. When I tell you that it is the time of year in which I am most tempted to eat, <laughs> very poorly indeed, uh, or in some cases just overindulge, um, I love knowing that I have uh, uh, my backup and I have the sort of thing I can do that allows me to indulge when I'm eating. And of course, I am talking about Factor meals. That's right, Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you eat well for breakfast lunch and dinner with chef prepared dietitian approved ready to eat meals delivered straight to your door and if you then want to go a little crazy uh with stuff that maybe isn't as good for you um you can do that too because you've got factor at your side for all of these smart wonderful eating and by the way it's not skimping on flavor. Let me be very clear about that. So you can skip the meal planning, grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, and cleaning up and get Factor's fresh, never frozen meals delivered to your door. They're ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and, and this is the really hard part. I'm kidding. It's not hard at all. Enjoy. You can choose from 35, no, more than 35 chef-crafted meals every week that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences. So it could be calorie smart or vegan and veggie. You could do protein plus, um, and there's a ton more wholesome options. And Factor isn't just for dinner. You can count on extra convenience any time of day with an assortment of more than 55 add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes. Choose from quick breakfast items, lunch to go, grab-and-go snacks, and ready-to-drink cold-pressed juices, yum, shakes, yum, and smoothies triple yum. Uh, as you know, I have had such a great experience with Factor. I talk about it all the time, but um, I love the fact that it's not too salty. I love the fact that people they're not using salt to substitute in for other flavor or for like fat or carbs. It's not like that. They're balanced. They're flavorful. It's like the meal that I often wish I would get when I order out, um, but end up not getting. So uh, loving that Factor has shown up for me in that way. And right now you can head to factormeals.com slash jvclub50 and use jvclub50. That's your code jvclub50 to get 50% off. That's code, and this is lowercase, no spaces, JV Club, and then five zero at factormeals.com. So factormeals.com slash JV Club 50 to get 50% off. Of course it's 50%. That's huge. But you could tell from the 50 in the JV Club 50. You know that's going to be 50% off. Go get it right now. Factor. Cameron Esposito here, comedian and host of Query. Every week, I get to interview someone amazing from the LGBTQIA plus community. Some queeros. I chat with them about their lives, loves, careers, and more. I've talked to, you know, giant celebs, Trixie Mattel, Lena Waithe, Tegan, and Sarah Quinn, but also astronauts, reverends, nurses. It's funny, it gets deep, and hopefully it makes you feel like you're part of something. Join me every Monday on Maximum Fun to listen to Query with Cameron Esposito. Okay, let's play the smash game, but uh, I hope we get a chance to hang out more. Because I, we, I mean, I really didn't even get into it about San Francisco with you. You should I mean, come. You should come to Sketchfest. You know, Sarah, I heard you say that you, you uh, have come to maybe know Sarah and Marshall. Um, and there's going to be a live you're wrong about. Oh, really? So you should come down and hang out. Yeah. Well, we are, we are communicating via text because I want her to come 
bitch about Anita Bryant on unsafe yes. spaces. So I think yes. she just to I am still a stranger to her and I know that feeling of like who's this person who wants me to be on oh, their I'm show. Oh, I'm going to 100% <laughs> write her and say you need to get on it quick. Perfect, cuz she she yeah. has a outstanding text message from me. <laughs> okay. All right. This is good to know. Um okay, so for our mash game, first I'm going to start out with three musicians that um, are going to compose uh, the soundtrack for your life. Um, okay. Whether you're thinking you're you're thinking backwards or you're looking forwards or you're just you know sitting in a car driving somewhere, this is brand new music made somehow sort of from your soul by these artists. Three. Okay. Um, I mean, historically important Tori Amos. Uh, Emily Haynes is probably my favorite. Great. And let's throw a sad gay in there. Let's go with Perfume Genius. Great. Okay. Next one, three foods that in this reality maybe you're allergic to or you used to be able as a child to eat a bunch and not feel sick or uh, it's ecologically bad and, you know, or it's just something that you had somewhere far away and you wish that you could have it again at the snap of your fingers. It's not the only thing you're eating, but three things that you would love to have unlimited supply of if there were zero ramifications of any kind. Um, ooh, Okay. Bad Chinese takeout. Great. This is so bougie and specific, but recently I had a um, a fried chicken bun with caviar on it. And uh-huh. it, it was $30 for like a bite, but it was incredible. So that. <laughs> Great. Fried chicken, caviar bun. Great. And uh, I don't eat sweets, uh, but like a Ben and Jerry's like brownie batter ice cream. Okay. Uh, next one, let's do three places in the world you can have a, a, another home and we can sort of teleport you there so you don't have to deal with the travel. Perfect. Uh, Bali. Great. The Olympic Peninsula. Great. And St. Helena. Wait, hold on. I've been to St. Helena. I have to think about where it is. Napa is it Valley. in Washington? No, Napa. No, it's in Napa Valley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Russian River adjacent ish yeah Helena yeah great um okay uh next category uh this is sexy times or romance all due respect to your partner this is um th- that person's off the table so uh fictitious person person from any age any era a, it could be a character from something could be a cartoon um whoever you want three romance or sexy times I'm not if you end up with this person forever great but I'm not committing you to them whole cloth Okay. Um, oof, this is the one I was stressing out about. I'm going to regret whatever I say. Uh, <laughs> Great. I have a weird thing for Elijah Wood. Okay. He seems so sweet and nice, but during the pandemic, when the Cinerama Dome closed, again, let me emphasize, during the pandemic, he tweeted, having trouble processing this. <laughs> and i was like this is the most tone deaf text i've ever read and i i feel still a a lot of affection towards him but it felt like the sweetest most clueless thing it was just great we've all been there but it was very funny having so i use that sometimes having trouble processing this about stuff that is small 
Thank you for fast tracking my regret. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) My pleasure. (laughs) This is such a basic answer, um, but Antony from Queer Eye. Great. And then let's do some Jesse Williams. Great. Great, great, great. Okay. Next one, let's do three mysteries. I guess they could just be mysteries to you, but um, I guess it's more fun if it's three kind of unknowns that you can find out the answer to. It doesn't mean that everyone has to know, but um, answers that you would personally like to know. I mean, just the whole list of keys victims. Yep. <laughs> um. God, this is also on brand. Uh, I feel like I know the answer, but I want confirmation on who BTK was. Wait, don't we know who BTK was? Not definitively. We don't? Or no, sorry, not BTK. The okay. Zodiac. I was like, isn't it Dennis Rader? Oh, yeah, yeah, gotcha. the Zodiac, sorry. Um, Do you think that it's the guy that, what's his name, wrote about? Arthur Lee Allen? Is... Yeah. Oh, you think it's Arthur Lee Allen. Okay. Yeah. You should read these this pair of books I'm going to send to you. Okay, perfect. There's this is a there's a very interesting, uh, very smart guy who I genuinely think may have actually found oh. the Zodiac. And it's um, it just makes a lot of sense. But it's, of course, no one that's ever was ever on anyone's radar, as tends to happen. Yeah. Um, you will get sucked into this. Amazing. OK. All right. Zodiac. Great. And see, these are all so stupid. Uh, <laughs> no, they're not. I want to know Andy Cohen's God honest opinion of every single housewife. Great. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, okay, next category. There's th- there's three total. Uh, this is the uh, third to last. Next category is uh, three movies that you can jump into. You're not reliving the plot. You're just in that world with a feeling that place gives you, interacting with whatever characters you want, whenever you want, for how long or short as you want. Okay. Um, the Labyrinth. Mm, great. Uh, let's go with, um, oh, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Yeah. At some point, that just became my favorite Wes Anderson movie, which for a long time it was Royal Tenenbaums. And then like a decade ago, I was like, oh, it's, it's secured its spot and nothing has rousted it. It's criminally underrated amongst his pantheon of film. Yeah. Uh, and of, uh, oh, and of course it has Sugaros in it, which makes oh, yeah. sense why yeah. that's, yeah, because we both love Sugaros. Great. Oh, and just like for bystander comedy, um, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Great. Great movie. Okay. All right. Uh, next one, let's do three. Oh, what do I want to give you next? Um, with two left, now the pressure I feel turns on me. Um, let's do, let's do three, uh, alternate universe jobs, three careers that you get to try on. Okay. If they suck, you get out. Okay, perfect. But we're, we're dropping you into a plum version of whatever this job is. You don't have to work your way up. Don't worry. Okay. Um, so I actually started going to school for this, um, and then did not finish, but, um, beaver rehabilitator. (laughs) I have so many questions <laughs> that there's no way I can't. That's a whole separate podcast. Okay. Oh. Um, television writer. 
right? Um, this is a job I had, but I want a, like a more fulfilled version of it. I was a uh, inspiration manager. <laughs> and what? Just, and okay. in in apparel design, I was just in charge of like curating <gasps> inspiration. It was very Ooh, cool. That's so fun. Yeah. Oh, I would have loved that. Yeah, that's like before everything gets down to brass tacks. Oh, yeah. Sure. There's like, like no like rules. Like vision board shit. Yeah. Yeah. Very little oh, budget. You're just like, find what's cool. <laughs> yeah. That's very fun. When was that? Uh, 2009 to 2011. Okay. Where were you for that? Were you up in like Portland I was at or... uh, both. I was at Levi Strauss and then my boss there took me and half the team up to Eddie Bauer in Seattle. Okay. Levi Strauss in San Francisco. Yeah. Okay. Ugh. Crazy. Um, great. All right. Final category. Oh, boy. This is... Um, I want to, like... I, you know, I keep going back to this sort of, like, childhood wonder thing, but I don't know how to, like, articulate delivering that. Um but I feel like there's you sort of like the happy, sad, like I don't know. I'm I, I, I the male wolf thing obviously is kind of bringing that up for me. I'm trying to think of like like places or like things that can that, that if you could get the feeling from this thing that you got from like the rush of adrenaline of like finding a secret space in the woods or. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like alone, like special magical alone time. But I, so I want to figure out a way to deliver that through MASH, but I don't know what I mean by that. But I will say that I think when our texts about going back and forth about this, like I'm always chasing that feeling. Um, and I can't get those for that from like drugs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem, I go straight into anxiety and paranoia. Oh, yeah. So I'm always looking for, like, what's the, you know, organic, like, sober, I guess, version of that, maybe enhanced by, like, a third of a gummy that everyone else takes five of to feel anything. Um, so I'm trying to think of what that is. I don't know. Yeah, I understand the feeling. I just don't know how to manifest it in yeah. a question. <laughs> I know. Or, or I don't answer. either. I don't either. Um what about okay so here's it here it is so you have a there's an extra there's like a magical door in your house um and it opens out into something that is that takes up no real space in this reality but kind of transports you to a place that can give you that feeling whenever you want it um what would that look like for you? Like, what are, is it opening to, into a beautiful tree house? Is it opening onto a dolphin? (laughs) (laughs) Just a dolphin, not in water. Just Just a dolphin in a room. Hollow beached dolphin. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, Janet. So, okay. I like, I'm driven by food. So maybe just like a room full of the most, decadent bougie ridiculous foods that i could gift my mouth at any time great oh this is an actual place and no place has filled me with more childlike wonder and joy have you seen the movie big fish 
Yes. You know the little cute little town there? Yes. It exists. <gasps> it's not a real town, but the set still exists. Yeah. And it's on an island in the Alabama River north of Montgomery. And you have to like drive through the woods to get there. And then you, there's like wild goats everywhere and you cross oh a little bridge God. and you, and the town is entirely untouched. Except oh, for I need goats. you to send me a link to this. I and need the to shoes are all still stat. like hanging from the. It, oh it just, my like, god! I got there and I I can still feel that feeling right now, even as we're talking about it. Yes, it, it brought me so much joy. So that. Oh my god! Okay, wow. All right, so please send me that link. It's so funny. That's like, I feel like that's one of like three different like islands that still have a set on them. From there's probably more than that. <laughs> oh yeah. But I think you can still visit the Popeye set. Like the Robin Williams Popeye set. And I think you can maybe visit, can you visit the Prisoner set somewhere? I don't know. Anyway, this one obviously surpasses all of those. So that's amazing. Okay, (laughs) Big Fish Town. Big Fish Town is what I'm putting. Great. And then what's your third one? So this is like a a mix of like real and fantasy. Uh, Every year for my birthday, I do this, these like extravagant, like we'll rent like a mansion somewhere in the woods. It's usually like very quirky, like multiple staircases, secret doors. Um, Oh, my God. You're living the life that I only dream of living by doing things like that. Oh, that's what I wanted to ask you. I remember what I wanted to ask you about San Francisco. I'm going to try to remember after we stop recording. Um, Um, I invite all my favorite people and we have like a four day party. And usually there's like a game involved. And every year (laughs) I try to like escalate what I can do with this game. And so I think just like a four day long. I don't know if it's like. Oh. And not an escape room or like scavenger hunt, but something that's really like a game that incorporates the people and the place. And it's yes. played over the course of the weekend in this like crazy nonsensical house in the middle yes. of nowhere. Yes. Okay. God. Yes. All right. Give me a number between one and ten. Four. Okay. I'm going to do the very, very critical math that um, is ne- is necessary to give you 100% guaranteed MASH future in which you will get one from each category. This is a great time for you to tell people what they should be listening to or checking out or supporting, how to find you, all of that good stuff. Perfect. Um, So I am most well known for True Crime Bullshit, which is a very deep dive investigation into serial killer Israel Keys. I currently have a show out called Unsafe Spaces, which looks at two serial killers uh, who were operating within the Tampa gay community, possibly as early as 1988 up until 2004. Uh, And then I have a show now that is re-airing called The Karen and Ellen Letters, which is an investigation into found correspondence that is mysterious and hilarious and asks a lot of, I think, really important questions about storytelling and propriety and representation. Um, And so it starts off as like funny and the deeper into it you get, you start really asking yourself some challenging questions. Um, So those are my three active shows, but I've always got other stuff like kicking around up here that I just need to find time to create. Yeah. Um, God, I'm going to pin you down for something at some point. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're. Li- I guess I'm realizing that you're sort of living 
even with just the stuff that you talk about and the, the games that you put together, like the stuff that I don't have the time or patience to actually see through, you actually do with your life. But also you get you've been handed extraordinary things that also make you seem like an Armistead Mopan character. Um, <laughs> so and then you and then you spend your birthday in a weird mansion with hidden doors. So um, that's right, everyone. I found the perfect human being. <laughs> Uh, born of trauma, <laughs> born of trauma, honed through sarcasm with a very deep well of empathy. There he is, everyone. And I'll tell you what else. There's a lot of good stuff happening in here. Um, number one, I want to congratulate you on your ability to just wander right on into Drop Dead Gorgeous Amazing. at any time. Just want to be amongst uh, that humor, those uh, ladies and people in that world. Uh, wickedly funny, if I may. Um, so you can do that whenever you want to. I don't know how stressful beaver rehabilitation is, but maybe you need that escape. Maybe you need that escape into that world. Or maybe you just need to um, be transported, teleport yourself to your apartment in Bali. Also, very relaxing. Oh, yeah. um, sounds lovely. Uh, you have all of these kind of travels and adventures and experiences. Um, if you so desire at any given time, you can just sort of ask for a new Perfume Genius song that is tailored perfectly to your mood and uh, state of mind and and location. So endless whatever you want uh, soundtrack from, Perf- for, from Perfume Genius. You have not only... An unlimited supply of fried chicken caviar buns. Oh, thank God. (laughs) But those are probably living inside your bougie food room that is in your house. (laughs) So feel free to dip into that whenever you feel the need because it is there for you. All of this is happening. (laughs) If you want it to be as little or as much in the company of Elijah Wood. Oh, well, we're going to have to talk about COVID protocol. He's (laughs) he's going to have trouble processing some of this. I can promise you that uh, in the sweetest way. And in terms of mysteries solved, know that you have all of the information you need about every Keys victim to give people back their name, to give family answers. And um, I feel like you're already on your way there. And retire, apparently. And just retire. (laughs) And just retire. Josh, thank you so much for doing the podcast. This has been uh, the joy I knew it would be, but it feels way too short. So I look forward to being invited to your birthday party with a bunch of people you actually know and care about. I will show up as a dog and pony show. Perfect. Um, Labor Day weekend. Mark your calendar. Do a little dance. Yeah, (laughs) it's going to be great. Everybody else, I will talk to you next week on the podcast. Thanks for having me, everyone. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, number one, we could save kittens from trees. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.